one of the critical things that we always talk of in Karosambhav nowadays is that if we don't manage to solve this in the next five to seven years, then probably, you know, we have already lost it. We may hit the point of no return. So our biggest focus is that these next five to seven years are super critical to solving this problem and we will do whatever it takes to bring a solution which, which works at scale. Welcome to the season six of Outliers. I'm your host Pankaj Mishra and I'm really thrilled to be bringing this edition of Outliers in collaboration with the Times of India. Outliers is a series of freewheeling conversations with the ones who choose to take the road not taken often. It's about the crazy and the curious, those who dare to stand out and stand alone. Keep listening. really excited uh, to be sitting down actually remotely uh, with Pranshu Singhal who is the founder of Karo Sambhav. Uh, Pranshu, welcome to this conversation. Thank you, Pankaj. You know, the first time I remember meeting you, Pranshu, that was around the time when you were uh, building uh, the organization about to, you know, preparing to launch Karo Sambhav. And one of the things that stayed with me is, uh, you know, your passion and, and the amount of concern you had for uh, electronic waste and something, a topic that had interested us as well. Now, uh, before we get into uh, Karo Sambhav and, and, and what you do and what are your biggest learnings, uh, can you give us a sense of uh, where you come from, Pranchu, you know, uh, professionally, personally? Uh, are there things that you remember that you believe have shaped who you are today? Uh, take us back a little in the journey to help you understand better. So my journey in... Uh... In, in this space began with my education uh, in environmental engineering and a post which I, I worked with the Confederation of Indian Industry in the Environment Management Division for uh, a couple of years, wherein you know, I got exposure in solving issues at an industry level. And that was, a, I think, a very good start to understanding issues, uh, creating systemic solutions uh, which are transformative. And... Uh, Post which I did my master's in environmental management and policy from uh, International Institute for Industrial Environmental Economics uh, in Sweden, uh, where I was a, uh, a student of Professor Thomas Linquist, who had coined the term extended producer responsibility. And uh, that's where my whole activities based on uh, product life cycle you know, started. So uh, since... Uh, since 2003, I have post my education at uh, IIIE. I have been working on product-related design, product-related policies, product creating systems which solve life cycle environmental issues at a product level. So, for my industry exposure, I have worked uh, for a fairly long time with Nokia. I was based in the uh, in the head office in in Finland, wherein we were designing programs to solve life cycle environmental issues and uh, post that with Microsoft uh, before starting Karosambhav uh, in 2017. So my, by education, by interest, uh, this is something I have, I have deeply loved. And though Karosambhav is today driving a big amount of work on electronic waste, uh, the idea is helping uh, close material loops for multiple product categories. Electronics happens to be the first one because that is where regulation came in India and uh, which made it viable to start activities in that space. We have now also started our activities in uh, plastic waste management and battery waste management. 
Great, great. This is a good launch pad for us. Um, if I just go a, a little back again, Pranchu, uh, you worked for a long time at Nokia, Microsoft. What were some of the biggest learnings you, you had in this space, uh, working at companies like Nokia? Uh, and, and, and some of them would have become building blocks for what you are doing now. But if you were to look back, what are some of the biggest lessons? So from Nokia, I would say the biggest the biggest learnings were, uh, you know, how a small change at a product level can drive a very, very large change. So especially when, when the organizations are so large, a small change done from a design perspective can change systems globally. And that for yeah. me was very astonishing that, you know, a very, you know, a simple thing like changing the amount of copper which is being put in charger uh, to reduce its environmental impact could have significant ramifications globally or just putting a simple display message that unplug your charger once your phone is charged because there was energy which was lost in uh, uh, standby energy consumption of charger. So even those simplest things could lead to huge results uh, when you are working in such organizations which have uh, such large global appeal and such large footprint. So the biggest, biggest understanding and learning was from a design perspective that uh, if we are able to, instead of focusing all the time on, you know, end of life solutions or, uh, uh, or you know, control mechanisms, if we could just work on design, some design changes, you can have a much, much larger impact. Uh, another thing which, which Nokia was doing fantastically was creating ecosystems globally. Uh, in, in over 100 countries, we had ecosystems for uh, uh, collection of electronic waste. So development of ecosystem, nurturing ecosystems was another big learning uh, which I had uh, from Nokia times. Yeah, wow. that, that's very interesting, Pranchu, what you talk about uh, doing uh, this at the product level, the design level itself. That's fascinating. Pranchu, all of us have, have you know, we find our passions and, and we find a cause. Uh, some of us are lucky to combine that with livelihood and so on. But can you talk a little bit about why do you care for this so much, uh, and I'm not questioning yeah. the cause itself, but where does this come from? I mean, why why do you think it is important, uh, or why do you, you care for it? I think a lot of it has to now do with uh, with very early stages of uh, of work that I was doing, uh, wherein uh, it was very critical that to solve these problems at scale, we need very different sort of solutions. The patchwork solutions you know do, you know solving like for example solving air pollution by putting in a you know an absorber uh, which collects just particles is is honestly how much can you solve by that i mean those kind of things became very evident very early uh, very early in my uh, working career or i would say even during studies that until and unless we go into very preventative strategies uh, design strategies problems cannot be solved especially with the growth, uh, especially with the uh, with the way consumption has been increasing, it is almost impossible. And I think that is where I find uh, my interest uh, that how do we solve these consumption-related uh, big challenges which are in front of us? Uh, because at the end of the day, it is consumption which uh, which drives uh, even changes in production. So if we can make changes in the way people consume, uh, utilize. Uh, dispose of their products, uh, we can have a significant uh, say and uh, uh, 
and and make a change in how things are produced and manufactured so i think this was very fascinating to me right from very early why was it fascinating very difficult to say uh, uh solving you know systemic uh, problems uh, right from early stages has just been very fascinating and this is something which caught my attention very early on and uh, most of my work has been on uh, making uh, consumption patterns sustainable in in some ways this is also a very important point that often gets uh, missed out branchu now uh, what you are talking about is 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 very interesting are, are there examples of where it has been done well uh, in your experience or as inspirations have you come across instances or examples where this whole thing about uh, you know addressing the consumption side uh, and 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 mitigating the problems that we are going to be talking about are there good examples from it, from around the world that has attracted you i could give examples right from you know my time of education or my early work at uh, whether it was in sweden or uh, in finland countries where you know thinking you know at a at a at a society level people are today thinking and making conscious decisions on what products to buy and what's the environmental footprint of a product so this is something which is so ingrained uh, especially you know when I, while i was working uh, almost almost a decade back uh, in finland i mean these things were just so much present uh, in everyone's life that whenever we are buying certain products what kind of packaging does it have i mean these were very good things which were ingrained and that that happened because of very large systemic changes on education creating awareness from uh, different institutions uh, which which enable people to think and behave uh, very very differently you know things like if i were to just go go on sorting of of different types of packaging waste you know the amount of sorting that we used to do while i was in sweden or in finland was just i mean it's unimaginable in india i don't know when will we do that sort of a thing here uh, but right from cleaning all the beverage cartons and removing so if if it was a yogurt carton you know cleaning it up ensuring that it can be really recycled to segregate you know cutting out plastic so if if some beverage carton or some uh, you know let's say uh, a cardboard had some plastics uh, capping then we would remove and cut that out so that it could be recycled properly so you know those kind of extreme steps being and i wouldn't call extreme those are just responsible steps uh, responsible steps being taken by citizen and not just one or two almost everyone that was a way of life so i think there are very clear mechanisms where uh, behavior has changed over the time uh, and this was not that it was always there it has changed over time uh, so there are solutions uh, uh, where you know uh, systems where good success has been found how do we create such a culture uh and again a lot of it is contextual a lot of things are not just about uh uh driving via awareness campaigns or so it 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 all is also ingrained into how do we uh, how do we grow as individuals uh, what do we learn in our schools what do we learn uh, in our workspaces uh, is our context enabling us to and inspiring us to uh, take responsible actions on almost on a daily basis so how do we create that context is very critical very very important to talk about that branchu now let's look at the the building blocks of uh, karo sambhav itself around the time when you were starting up uh, what was the problem that you were specifically looking at branchu uh, can you set uh, can you do a little scene setting here 
when it comes to looking at the problem itself, where we sit today in India, and put a little spotlight on, I mean, start with electronic waste itself. The broad issue is, if, I mean, none of the products which are put on the market today get collected at the end of their life. You you look around, I mean, right from your mattresses to your furniture, to your electronics, to to your light bulbs, to your, you know, you name it and in almost anything, you don't know what's going to happen to it once it, you know, it has completed its uh, its lifetime. Uh, most of them will end up in landfills. Other would just be littered somewhere. And, that, and that's a big problem. And uh, most of the governments globally have tried to solve this problem by bringing in the principle of extended producer responsibility for creating a new set of environmental regulations. India started this journey in 2012 by utilizing the principle of EPR in one of the product categories, which was electronics. This was a this was a I would I would call it a landmark shift in the way policies have been created because uh, these regulations then uh, effectively create a context in which uh, producers, brands, manufacturers would change their behaviors. Consumers would eventually follow a new way of uh, working, new way of disposing. So what was very critical was to find early stage success in these schemes. Our motto of setting uh, Karosamba in 2017 was that government had firmed up its actions on electronic waste. Uh, the regulation came in 2012, but until 2016-17, there was almost no action uh, at our industry side. So very, very little work was being done. So government introduced targets. So one of the important aspects in our mind was, uh, can we bring in early success? Because if we can bring in early success, the government would get confidence, the industry would get confidence, the stakeholders would, would start believing in the uh, term extended producer responsibility and what it can enable. So our whole objective was to find early stage success. And I'm not talking of a transformative change in the first year, but give early stage success if there are people who can stand up and say, well, this is doable, we have been able to do it. Uh, that brings in confidence for the system to move forward. So that was our idea. Uh, it happened to be, as I said, electronic waste because extended producer responsibility was first applied in electronics waste uh, in India. Uh, in most cases, uh, that is how countries have started their journey. And uh, e-waste is, uh, is a complex waste stream. And if we can find applications and find success with it, then it can be applied in multiple categories. And if you look at it today, uh, it has been applied in, uh, after e-waste, it has been applied for plastics. Uh, it is now being applied to batteries. Uh, there was a draft regulation which was shared or discussed earlier by government for end-of-life vehicles. It could come for tomorrow for mattresses, furniture. There are countries which have regulated over 30 to 40 product categories via extended producer responsibility. Countries like France, which have huge success in implementing EPR-based regulations. So, Pranju, three years into this crusade for you with Karosamba, right? You, you, you've been at it now. Uh, if, you, if you were to kind of assess how far you have come and what are the biggest learnings from you in these three years, things that work, things that don't work, things that uh, surprised you, shocked you, or things that were a pleasant uh, experience. You know, uh, too many things. But how would you sketch these three years? What are some of the key things that you? Do? Okay, the first thing I would say, uh, and I would let's let me start from the e electronic waste uh, perspective. I think the the big thing which has happened is 
uh, when the regulation came into being it was you know everyone was asking why are we being regulated you know the industry was all about why why is this happening you know it will impact x and it will impact y it will impact probably time to market uh, it will increase our cost it will make us uncompetitive in the market and in the in the first three years what i see that that dialogue has moved from why to how which is very positive so yeah. today the dialogue is not ki ye kyun karna hai the dialogue is around how do i do it and again there are a lot of questions around that but that's a big moment that attitudinal shift from why to how for me is the biggest biggest change and yes it will take another decade for things to settle down uh, things to get solved uh, the challenge that we that at least i have personally in my mind all the time is we don't really have a decade i mean this is the decade of action as uh, determined i have suggested by you and and if we don't get our act right during these next 10 years then we will we will have crossed the point of no return so wow. it is very very critical that we find answers during this decade so that time is short and what is what is what is what is critical is how do we drive uh, this maturity at a exponential rate rather than the organic growth that we are experiencing at this point in time and uh, the biggest learnings from that point of view is the one thing which is required to solve this is competence across the sector uh, this is a very new type of regulation this is a very new type of framework and uh, it requires different type of uh, of mindset Uh, whether it is from enforcement so instead of just enforcing the rule one needs to always calibrate how do i drive value added enforcement if i am enforcing the law is it helping certain things become better and why is it helping so that i can push that lever and not not something which stops or creates hurdles so value added enforcement is super critical and that again is super dependent on how competent the system is today how much capacity has been built how much resources have been provided for the system to in uh, a similar level for the industry side especially for uh, small brands who do not have sustainability departments uh, this regulation comes as a as a new you know and in, at many times it has been considered as a new burden uh, but if there could be good amount of capacity and uh, competence created uh, then probably systems will start changing so for me the biggest bottleneck today to solving the problem is the competence of stakeholders across the board and if we are able to work on that aspect of building competence capacity i think we'll be able to solve a very 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 large uh, bring in a very large solution to to solve this problem Ranchu, you you talked about this being the decade of action. If you were to capture uh, an you know an action agenda as such, right? Uh, all stakeholders included, not just the regulators and industry, but you know there there are lots of people who are involved in informal cycling and so on, right? Uh, what would be your action agenda? What would be the three four things as part of your action agenda? So uh, we are focusing on three things uh, essentially. the first is creating collection systems and creating collection systems or channels overlaps with inspiring people to recycle or bringing them on board to recycle so they go hand in hand so at one end one has to uh, reach out to citizens enable them to consider what they are doing and what's the alternative lifestyle that they can live uh, where recycling is uh, is of paramount importance it's ingrained into daily activities uh, 
and and this can only happen when it is juxtaposed with setup of collection systems which make it easy for them to recycle so and these collection systems would include then working with the again industry uh, with urban local bodies at times uh, with the civil society organizations with informal sector uh, in a very very significant way majority of the waste today uh, whether it is electronics or plastics or any other type is today handled by the informal sector so they have a very very significant role to play and creating a better context for them is very important to solve this problem at scale so uh, the very first bucket that we are focusing on is this uh, bucket of creating collection channels while enabling uh, people to recycle more the second part is on uh, recycling systems dismantling and recycling for electronic waste recycling in general for any other waste category so once collected what happens does the waste have to travel very long distances before it gets recycled or can it be done you know can there be systems where it can be it can be sorted locally managed locally so what kind of systems are being created to recycle and recycle responsibility not on paper today we are marred by the whole idea that there is there is you know a significant lack of infrastructure at a at a local level uh, at a state level uh, for recycling so how do we cre create better infrastructure how do we create very transparent ways and means to recycle so not black boxes today what we have are black boxes of waste management where things go in and then sometimes things one doesn't know they come out or not but how do we create very transparent systems uh, of recycling wherein you can truly trace what has gone in what has come out uh, what's the benefit which came out of recycling uh, and then the third part which becomes a very strong driver is how do you utilize materials which are coming post recycling for recreation of the primary products uh, and i'm not talking of downgrading of material but manage maintaining the same thing so if you are creating if you are deriving materials from product x then you are able to create the same product uh, in some way uh, out of the materials of of dismantling and again this utilization of secondary materials is a very very critical value chain which uh, is in very very early stages of uh, of being set up uh, in the country so these three buckets are very critical to what one can call as closure of material loops and uh, our focus is to in during this decade you know enable and create platforms so that all these things uh, can start functioning and uh, and yield desired results branchu uh, what also happens is a lot of times uh, these things and initiatives uh, stay as a as a policy discourse or you know uh, at a very macro level uh, where there are different stakeholders and and of course there but uh, the difference is there are organizations like yours who are actually doing work on 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 the ground but if you know for people who don't understand this problem well enough and and if someone asks so what's the urgency uh, are we kind of uh, trying to blow this out of proportion uh even starting with electronic waste for that matter yeah so okay so number you know one can just start looking at the numbers i mean just few years back india was the fifth largest producer of electronic waste it became fourth in this year uh, it became the third largest uh, producer of electronic waste according to the global e waste monitor so and one has to know that e waste is the fastest growing waste stream globally uh, within uh, you know cagr of 
30% or more. And uh, if we just look at, you know, the amount of electronics that are surrounding us, it is it is just humongous. The convergence uh, has, uh, the trend of convergence has, has brought in so many electronics in our life that we are all surrounded by it. So it is not something that can be brushed off. Uh, it is something which is growing, which is real. Uh, in India, uh, the expected, the, the estimated amount of electronic waste is over 30 lakh tons. And uh, that's that's in no way a small amount. It's a, it's a very, very large amount. And e-waste, if not managed properly, the big challenge with e-waste is that in most of it ends up being in the informal sector where it is uh, mishandled, mistreated, uh, leading to severe pollution uh, things like for example you know very simple things uh, wires are just burned in open air so that copper or aluminum or uh, or steel or any other metal can be extracted out of them uh, yeah. printed circuit boards are dipped in uh, cyanide based acid baths for extraction of a certain amount of precious metals that are embedded or uh, that are present in them after that what happens with printed circuit boards are they are just burned so there there are issues very significant issues related to human health uh, that can emerge from mishandling, mismanagement of electronic waste, very severe pollution related issues, uh, you know, uh, whether it is related to uh, contamination of groundwater or uh, land, you know, or soil or so there are severe issues which have happened and very well documented in uh, in multiple scientific reports. So the issue is is large, it is staggering. Uh, and we need to find a solution. Uh, we need to very quickly find a solution on this. Yeah, the, the, the enormity of problem, uh, Pranchu, the way, you know, of course, I've been talking to you for a few years, is such that it doesn't look like there is a quick solution, but there is a race against time. Yeah, race against time, which we have to win. We can't miss to, you know, otherwise, what do you do? I, as I said, the decade of, one of the critical things that we always talk of uh, in Karosambhav nowadays is, uh, is that if we don't, you know, manage to solve this in the next five to seven years, then probably, you know, we have already lost it. I mean, we may have, we may hit the point of no return. So our biggest focus is that these next five to seven years are super critical to solving this problem. And we will do whatever it takes to bring a solution which which works at scale. Uh, and that is not about only having a solution uh, which Karosambhav is driving uh, uh, what I am talking of is an industry, uh, industry-wide solution. You know, a platform-based uh, solution, which allows hundreds of players to collaborate, co-create, uh, and solve this at scale. It is really about creating a uh, a new type of industry, uh, which which follows uh, you know principles of ethics, uh, good governance, trust, transparency, traceability, to solve the problem at scale. This is again very well articulated and I really hope, I would bet all my hope on what you are saying. Uh, <clears throat> you know, for, for us also at Factor Daily Pranchu, as you know, now we are deep diving into electronic waste as a project over the years. So we will keep this conversation alive. We will have to speak very often. But to wrap up this particular episode, if you, if, if you were to detail as an action item for starting from an individual, to uh, a company or a manufacturer or, or a regulator or a policymaker, what is that one thing each one of us have to do as individuals, as society? Uh, like, 
so what can we do that that's a very broad question so let us start with you know and we could focus on different uh, stakeholders who have a critical role in in this case so uh, let's start with citizens or uh, bulk consumers uh, you know which are enterprises or uh, you know offices or institutions who buy a good amount of products so i think one of the critical things is to really think it it starts with do i really need this product in the first place it really starts there uh, in many yeah. cases it is better not to consume what you don't need you know we can always talk about waste which comes out of products at a later stage but the first thing is to stop if it is not needed and then you know if we have to buy it then can i can i make choices which are sound uh, so instead of buying products which are environmentally harmful or uh, which have a much higher environmental footprint can i go for products which come in lesser packaging which consume lesser energy you know various aspects that we can consider while uh, procuring or buying a product and then the third and the most critical uh, one uh, in in our context of discussion is the end of life disposal so what do i do uh, consciously today or subconsciously we just you know hame pata bhi nahi hota we don't even realize where our waste goes uh, yeah. we just we just you know you ask very simple things from a person where did your mattress go and people will say well i don't remember i don't know what happened to it where did yeah. the where did your last you know charger go battery go most of the people would wouldn't have made any conscious choice uh, on these things so if we can first focus on bringing consciousness to these decisions you know the point of inflection will will happen right there because then you are mindful of what is happening right now we are not being mindful the moment we bring some mindfulness on uh, well this is being generated and something needs to happen to it and let me let me figure out what do i do with it you will find that there are systems which are absent there are rules which have not been created and suddenly you know there can be a significantly active role that we as individuals or uh, as organizations uh, push for and that is that is what is warranted at this point in time that we become active we become mindful we we talk about this we drive conversations because with conversations comes a context and that context that enables better action and uh, drive significant changes if we were to go from uh, to government side what what can government do on the government side the primary thing is uh, if a rule has been bought in then how do we ensure that this rule is refined managed on a regular interval uh, it is not something ki we have created it once and then it is left but something which is managed uh, something for which we create structures to enforce Uh, and structures to enforce in a way that it adds value it doesn't become a threat it becomes a enabler and uh, that part is super critical if this problem is to be solved uh, a significant body of work has to be put in by regulators uh, post creation of the rule uh, on how is it fine tuned and it is required it requires any of these tools will require fine tuning because these regulations epr based regulations are very different from uh, previous regulations jahan pe one would define certain environmental parameters here you have to manage it as per the market as because the market will shift the product should change so the regulations also needs to change uh, so government has a very very active role here in terms of fine tuning of the regulation enforcing positively uh, which creates a, a, a enabling environment uh, then the third part 
is from the brands, the producers who are putting the products on the market. And this again requires that, you know, instead of following the law because it is there, can we follow the law in spirit? I mean, why was this law coming in first place? What is our role? So instead of looking at it as a burden, uh, how yeah. do we participate in solving the problem? And whatever we are doing uh, is not to just save costs or, you know, tick a box of compliance, but intentfully, you know, participating in solving this problem. I think that's one space where we are missing real action. Uh, barring a few brands who are truly wanting to solve the problem, majority are are looking at these regulations with a mindset that we need to sort it out and uh, let's find uh, the lowest cost way to solve it. And the mm-hmm. lowest cost way is probably not the right way. Uh, the best intent way and the best intent way may be may also coincide with the lowest cost way but that is something that one has to do and figure out uh, just saying just just going the path that we will take the lowest cost route because some regulation has come up and we have to tick mark a box uh, isn't going to solve the problem this is if this was so simple it could have been solved uh, you know multi years back and then if i go from a uh, from a let's say the informal part of the society uh that is where again you know how does informal sector now become a part of a formal chain of collection uh, with yeah. with small changes and that is super critical to solve uh and again the larger role here is from a producers from brands plus governmental systems that how do we enable this transition uh but whilst that enabling environment is created it is also incumbent on the uh, informal sector itself that if there are opportunities which are presented then how do we latch on to these opportunities rather than look at them ki, okay let us benefit from this uh, because that is another problem you know one may offer support to informal sector but if they are not willing to change then it becomes a very difficult scenario in itself and that is something which is also being faced uh, by organizations like us uh, that certain people are willing to shift but others are not it's so deeply ingrained the way of working that People are just not willing to change the way they have been working for decades. So what, what is a positive incentive for them? Uh, a, uh, you know, a system which enables them, okay, that if you come into the, uh, if you change, then this is better. Uh, because yeah. that betterment is not just about how much more money one can make, but also, uh, you know, like one of the big challenges which most informal sector aggregators uh, say is that, uh, you know, now everyone knows me or because i'm i'm a legal company i'm in the tax net so i need to deposit i need to pay gst xyz but you know so instead of con- considering the, those things as burden how do i you know what do i what kind of a system and we can we create what kind of a enabling environment we can create that people like it that okay now i am i'm recognized i'm i'm not fearful it's the, it's the other way around uh, today that people fear that okay if i am from informal to formal if i if i change my operations you know someone can come and raid me someone can come and ask me xyz questions so that fear has to go away uh, and then uh, if we talk of the larger recycling systems i mean significant amount of investment needs to walk in and responsible investment has to be made uh, in which uh, birth to well governed systems takes place uh, systems which truly bring accountability, which are not black boxes, uh, where you can actually, you know, a recycling plant is, you know, something where anyone can walk in at any point in time, see kya ho hai, kaise ho hai, and be inspired instead of, you know, okay, uh, you know, everything is closed and no one can see anything. Uh, 
uh, what has come in what has gone out so uh, how do we bring that systemic shift and also significant investments into setting up uh, some very large scale units to solve the problem at scale so that is i think you know for some of the critical stakeholder this is what i think is critical this is again very well said pranchu i think there is an action agenda for everyone and that uh, kind of nails it uh, thank you so much for this conversation pranchu like i mentioned this is a long journey for us as storytellers and i'm sure it is a long battle for you too uh, and uh, we would always depend on your insights uh, to keep this alive and hopefully raise the public consciousness thank you pankaj thank you for reaching out conversations is what creates context and context is what will drive changes at a grassroots level so the more we talk the more we discuss the more we debate the better off we will be absolutely and godspeed